Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Cecil Man podcast, in which some of the biggest names in business, fitness, fashion, and more tell us about their careers, their style, their routines, their mental health, and much more. Imad Alinab is a Syrian chef, entrepreneur and refugee who ran three successful restaurants and several juice bars and cafes in Damascus. During the war in Syria, Imad's restaurants were destroyed and he was forced to flee the country in search of safety for his family. Making his way from Lebanon through Europe, Imad shared his skills, cooking for up to 400 refugees at a time, and found that even in the most challenging times, his passion for food and bringing people together to celebrate life was strong. Imad arrived on the London restaurant scene four years ago with a series of charity events that became hugely popular. Supper clubs sold out within hours and there were long queues for takeaway lunches at his pop-ups. In 2021, his first permanent restaurant in Mad Syrian Kitchen launched in Kingly Court, while this summer saw the launch of his first cookbook. And at the end of last year, Imad was invited to Buckingham Palace for a reception with the King in recognition of his humanitarian work. So welcome, Imad. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I came to your restaurant when uh, the book launched and had such an amazing feast. So it was uh, <laughs> a lovely collection of people. But I think the key thing for me, it did have that real feeling of family all around the table and everyone sort of eating together. It was a real event that I imagine was kind of what you were picturing when you wanted to open. Actually, exactly. this is exactly like I, I feel so happy when people told me such a thing like, we felt so welcoming or we met the next table, you know, and we became friends. If it's up to me, I will do all of my restaurant like one big table. And uh, I come from a family where we, like, I have 14 uncles. In 1991, we were 98 cousins. So, wow. yeah, <laughs> we stopped counting then. It, it It's get bigger and bigger, of course, but... We stopped counting then. Um, I love that feeling when we have big tables and sharing and laughing. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've <laughs> captured that very well yeah. in the restaurant, <laughs> which we'll come back to a little bit later. Um, but I think many people, if they've heard about you and your restaurant, they'll know that you've got an incredible story about how you came to open this restaurant in London. So I was just wondering, yeah, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your life back in Damascus before you had to leave. Like, what was life like for you? I, I didn't start as a, um, as a restaurant. Like, uh, I started my career as a fashion designer just because it, it was much easier for me. All of my family work on the same industry, textiling, designing. So at that time, I thought it's my obvious path, you know, like it's going to be, this is where my life going. But um, with time, I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I didn't enjoy it that much, like my cousins or my, you know, like I didn't enjoy it as much as they did, even though maybe naturally I was good at it. Doing the real work is not mine. I prefer to be in the 
kitchen all the time. And then I had my first restaurant in between 1999 and 2000. Um, so we started building it because it used to be one of my father's storage rooms ah. for, for the textiles. And then, and then converted to a, a restaurant. We started as a small takeaway at the very beginning and then became like huge success. And then it was dine-in and yeah, we loved it. It's called Castello in the old, in, in the old city, Damascus. Traditionally in Syria, it's very, people will be very proud to feed others for free, but not for money. So, yeah. <laughs> so especially for someone like my father, it the idea was not very acceptable at the very beginning. I and see, then, so how did you make the switch from working with the family business to launching that first restaurant? Um, I had a lot of support from my mother. Okay. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, my mother is very powerful woman. She can, yeah. <laughs> when actually somehow, because she teach me how to cook, mm. somehow she thought that she's, like she's winning by me opening a restaurant, which is true because, yeah, I, I love the idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, I inspire everything from her, you mm -hmm. know, like uh, I always seek her uh, approval. Mm -hmm. uh, like if I did this, if I change this about this dish, she's going to approve or, you know, this is why there is a lot of dishes. I do remember her saying, um, like, you can create your own recipes, but don't call it old recipe or twisted twist the the old recipes. You know, like traditional recipes should be stay like it is. Like, for, for example, you can create your own beetroot uh, dip, mm -hmm. but don't call it hummus. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so uh, don't yeah. Muck, don't muck with the classics. Exactly, but you can still be creative. Exactly. I have my my own recipes mm -hmm. and uh, I I love them and I think this is really important to build on mm. traditional recipes. Um, um, like uh, we have very lovely spices, mm -hmm. very calm and relaxed techniques. So yes, feel free to to create your own. Keep the originals like it yeah. is. Don't don't <laughs> don't mess with them. So yeah, somehow she felt like. She won, and um, she was very supportive all the way. She even started to give ideas about uh, what to do next mm -hmm. and encouraging me about it. And then, yeah, finally, in, in 2006, I had my second restaurant. Third and last started in 2009, all being destroyed in 2013. You obviously had a very... I guess, normal, happy life before, like you say, your restaurants were destroyed? To be honest, it's, um, it, it depends how you define normal. Like, yeah. Um, funny that I was talking about this this morning. Like, it's really difficult to, to, to explain. When you live in democracy mm -hmm. and, uh, like, first-class country, let's say, with, with access to education and stuff like this, Sometimes it would be a bit hard to understand what is the normal mm -hmm. for dictatorship mm -hmm. countries where, uh, for example, now, um, like there is a lot of things missing in my childhood. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like any other Syrian kid, mm -hmm. for example, we instead of instead of having time 
out and play at school, we used to get a military um, like training in school. We used to go to the, the our school uniform used to be khaki and uh, very similar to the military. Uh, actually, some part of the military in Syria still until now wearing the same uniform we used to have in our schools. Oh, wow. Um, we used to be trained on the Kalashnikov while you are like teenager. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So normal is not... Not the right word. Normal, <laughs> but if you say happy family, yes. Mm-hmm. It you, if you say actually more than happy, we were mm. very close, you know, like my mother my uncle my my father to be inspired by those people it's it's mean the 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 world to us they used to try to protect us as much as they can for for example uh, i told you about the military training in the schools she gave me uh, a medical report that i'm feeling i'm not feeling well my arms are so tired so it's a fake report but she don't want me to be involved with any of this. And yeah. This is their way to protect us as a kids. Yeah. It's it's difficult. It's not normal, but they I really appreciate that they tried super hard to for us to to feel it's normal. Mm-hmm. For us to get the most education that we they can provide. Um my mother teach us English. We didn't it's it's not that important in mm-hmm. school. Al Ba'ath is the party who's ruling yeah. Syria. By the way, it's the one and only party. And this party, who's been ruling Syria since the nineteen sixty eight or something, early seventies. Since then, it's it's one and only party. And in the schools, early ages, they used to teach us that we are the future of this party. And everything come from the West or um, it's just because they are like uh, jealous of Syria because we have the brilliant president, Mm -hmm. you know, and the one and only. And I I know that my family tried their best. Yeah. I know that everyone else tried their best. This is why we end up having revolution Mm. in 2011. I know it's... For some people, what took you that long from 1970 to, to 2010 or 2011? Yes, again, it's really difficult for you to understand how it is scary. Mm-hmm. For example, you would be afraid of the taxi driver to talk to him about you spend two hours waiting for your for your turn to get your bread. Can you imagine? We used to wait two hours wow. to get the daily bread. Yeah, you know, like you need it every day. You yeah. need it to, for your life. For it, it's the same situation with the rice, with the mm-hmm. oil, um, with electricity. Sometimes yeah. it's taking hours to pay your bills. I I made an application to have a phone. Mm-hmm. Fourteen years wow. I waited for that application. Fourteen years to get my application done for a phone. For a phone. Wow. Can you imagine, like? With this kind of dictators, they're trying to take every, like, they're trying to destroy the country 
to keep brooding and brooding and brooding. Because when you have intelligent, uh, smart, and educated people, mm-hmm. they will not accept someone stupid like him to be their president. So this is why in any dictatorship, they try to destroy the, 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 the countries. So what was the, was there a final trigger for you that made you leave Syria? I'm sure there were many things that all oh added up. Yeah, it, it, it was many things, yeah. to be honest. But in 2013, I had an issue with one of the police, like secret police mm-hmm. officers in Damascus. And uh, I was stupid enough to say, no, I'm not going to pay you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and I had like really very nasty, a lot of problems. On 2015, I had very similar issue with the same people mostly. So I've decided, you know what, I'm not going to take it anymore. I have to leave now before uh, before I will become a wanted yeah. from, from these people. So I ran away to Lebanon on the same night, 27th of July. And then from Lebanon to Turkey, lucky me, I was uh, ten days later. Turkey ask start to ask for visa for Syrians. I oh, really oh, yes. So uh, I ran to Turkey, and then from Turkey to Greece, Macedonia, Serbia, Hungary, Austria, Germany, France. And then I stuck there for a long time. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, what were you doing bef- between your restaurants being destroyed and bombed and then when you left in oh 2015? My God, I did a lot of things. Yeah, I worked as a um, uh, baker, like a bread, yeah, yeah. a flatbread baker. Uh, and it was one of the most difficult things ever. I start, I had a fryer next to, to the house where mm-hmm. I lived. Uh, I used to get a flatbread and do create like something like coleslaw salad with potatoes and start selling sandwiches in a gazebo. Now I see. And then a few days later, when when this small village being besieged, like surrounded mm-hmm. by Assad uh, uh, forces, we couldn't even get. Uh, flatbread or any kind of yeah. bread actually it's it was really really difficult to live in there um i had a little bit more of gas and i we found it uh, milk powder oh uh, yeah so i created milk and then created uh, yogurt with that milk and start giving it away it oh, wow. was yeah it was really difficult and obviously you had a family as well to bring up at that time. Wife and three daughters. Yeah. Yes, my wife and three do- We were there with yeah. all of us. We were there together. The the house was uh, it's 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 a small one bedroom. Actually it's more like a studio than mm-hmm. a bedroom. Uh, we were the five of us in there which was even even more difficult because it's not even comfortable enough for one person mm-hmm. to Yeah. But yeah. At least we are together, at least we are safe, and this is will make us the most lucky people ever. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey to get to the UK? Because I suppose there are many it's, different ways you had to 
travel and actually actually every every time i spoke about my journey to to the uk people asking me about the the port between between turkey and greece yeah and we were like it's supposed to be for nine people we were 54 on it it's too dangerous it's and it's it's very famous on every tv or you know like um uh, any any kind of channels like oh my god it's too dangerous i promise you this was not the most dangerous part of our journey i think one of one of the most dangerous parts in my journey mm-hmm. was the taking uh, being about in the back of lorry mm-hmm. between Izmir in Turkey and the point where we get the boats we were 95 people on 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 that uh, like lorry in the back of a lorry in the back of yeah. a lorry we were 95 oh. the driver was so driving so fast mm. we thought that we're not going to make it at all it was the most terrifying five hours of my life facing the police in hungary was also one of the most terrifying part of my journey even even facing the gendarmerie in 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 calais was really scary mm. yes people will remember the jungle being on tv and in yes. all the papers at yeah, the time yeah. Yeah. actually actually being on tv the gendarmerie and police would be very careful mm. how they dealing with the with the refugees but behind the scenes it's a different stories it was really really scary in every step on it and then yeah facing racist people all the way i'm sure i do remember once we when we were sleeping on the church steps in calais there used to be people come and throw uh, beer bottles like empty beer bottles towards us Oh my God, for what? But now I do understand when you have all of these newspapers and TVs trying to tell you everything we have here, all the struggles we live in here, it's because of these refugees who come to take our jobs and to ruin our lives. You know, Mm -hmm. people will be programmed to hate us even before they know who we are. Or before you even set foot in there. Exactly, yeah. exactly. One time I, I moved houses in the UK, actually. And my neighbor did refuse to say hello. That was seven years ago. Now I feel like somehow we as a family managed to change his mind. Mm. By the way, refugees means nothing. We are just normal people yeah. like any other people. Maybe I have, me and you have more in common, but the answer is not to make it more difficult. When you make it more difficult, that will make it more dangerous. Mm. This is where you will encourage other smugglers to find different ways and maybe more desperate ways for people to fly over or to come over, I don't know how. For example, why I didn't pay smugglers between... Uh, between uh, Austria and Germany because you, because it was safe yeah you know what That's i mean very good point. but i had to pay, to pay pass, to pay smugglers 
between Serbia and Austria through Hungary because it's not safe mm. to be in Hungary. You know what I mean? Yeah. I pay, I Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Paid, I paid smugglers between Turkey and, and um, uh, Greece between uh, Serbia and uh, Austria and between France and the UK. Every time it's dangerous, mm. you will find the smugglers. But every time it's safe to travel, you will travel. We are not here to compete. We are here to be part of your beautiful... Um, I, I didn't get like... Um, Syrian uh, community. I wanted to be part of this amazing mm-hmm. community you have just to, you know, squeeze myself in, you know? To say it's sort of important to say because you're talking about sort of the rhetoric in the media and other places where often, I think with refugees in this country, some people are like, well, why didn't you stop anywhere else along the journey? Why did you come to the UK? But I think it's important to say you had family here already, didn't you, when you decided to uh, First here? of all, I had family here already. And one of the most important reasons that I'm very old to learn a new language. You know, I'm, I'm not old enough to be retired mm-hmm. and be on benefits in Germany or any other country. I don't. I didn't want to uh, because I felt like I, I still have time to, to be active mm-hmm. and to be part of the community and build the economy with everyone else. So it's, it's a mission, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to keep going and keep working. I'm not old enough to retire, but I'm very old to learn a new language. This is my English. It didn't prove not so ever since the day when I came in. This is what my mother teach me when I was very young. This is why, as I told you, it's really difficult. Like, even now, my daughters keep laughing at me and laughing at my accent. But yeah, it cannot be approved more than this, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, I think it's so, excellent for what it's worth. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Uh, yeah, this is this is the reasons why the UK and it's a great country. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when 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 people wanted to come to your country, you should be very very proud. My middle daughter now she's doing um, pharmacology. What if one day she created the vaccine for coronavirus? It's not because she's Syrian. It's because she's Londoner. This is what. 
this is what created a, a great country. By the way, I felt that we had our approval from the day one from the people. Yeah, I, I was going to ask care. about that, what your yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, early yeah. experiences so, were. So when I, when I say something... I, I don't like when people say, oh, if you don't like the government, why you are staying here? It's not about the government. They don't own this country. I think people own it. If you, if you, if you feel the other way around, then it's up to you. Mm -hmm. If you feel that this government owned the country, it's up to you. I feel that this is the British people country and we should all be very proud of it because we have a great people. Just going back slightly, so obviously when you were in Calais, you started cooking for mm. many, many people. How did you do that? Like, what was the spark to be like, let's? Uh, to be honest, do it. It, it start it, it start when one British person brought us um, uh, a, a small picnic stool and one pot, and this is where everything started. I like, uh, I feel sometimes that Imad Syrian Kitchen even started over there because. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where people start to talking about the refugee, this refugee who, who's cooking for other refugees and the neighbors. And I, I told you about the, 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 the difficulties with me, for me to, to learn a new language. Mm -hmm. I think the number one language is everyone knows is food. Mm -hmm. You know, we can communicate through this. Like someone, you, will, you can feel that if someone will be happy with your food or not. You know, and it's it's much me easier way to connect between each other. And um, lucky me, I know how to cook, and I found <laughs> the other people like what I'm cooking, and I was so happy about it. It started cooking for myself and the other uh, people who live next to me, mm -hmm. and then from there I had like I start to collect feedbacks which was really important mm. for the future, for my future. It, I start collecting feedbacks from people about what they like, what they don't like, and start build on these recipes. Uh, for example, we had a very nice dish called tabakh rojo. The feedback was great, so now it's on the menu in our restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like collecting these feedbacks from there, it was, it was stunning. And so when you first arrived in the UK, you went up to Doncaster originally, didn't you? Because mm. that's where your family were. Actually, when I first arrived to London, yeah. I ended up near of St Pancras. Oh, I see. It was the love from the first moment with London, you know? Mm -hmm. like, and there is a, a, like a, a really good reason for it. Every, every town or every city I was traveling in, in before London, somehow... People were looking at me, and in my mind, maybe maybe they didn't, but in my mind, people were maybe because I was scared to be to be catch or something. Um, I I thought that people were looking at me. This is another Syrian refugees who will be coming here to you know, uh, especially in Cali. Um, People were people were staring, or maybe uh, ev even in Paris you have to avoid the 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 police. Mm -hmm. So when I end up in Saint Pancras, I went out of the station, and for the first time, no one looking at me. You know, like no one cares. 
I was invisible, like I can't be anything, you know? And I promise you, no one cares. And I loved it. Oh my God, what a great city. I found, I looked at the people and they were so different. Different colors, different backgrounds, uh, maybe religions, maybe ethnicities, I don't know what. Like, so different. And I loved it. Oh my God, I can't be in here. No one looking at me anymore. And yeah, this is why I couldn't wait to come back to London. I yeah. wait. I, I went to my sister, stayed there with them for 27 days. But yeah, I couldn't wait until I come back. And yeah, I love it in here. You met some good people along the way, didn't you, to kind of help you get the restaurant oh and the pop-up off the ground? I, I'm so lucky. I love people. And I think that because of because I love them so much, they love me back. Mm -hmm. And and the difference between me and others that I can feel it, you know, and I can tell that people like I'm I'm in love with people and people would love would love me back. And this is a great thing I have, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky. Tell us about you know starting the supper clubs and the pop ups and how. You know, basically so, how you managed to become a chef once more, once you were here. Uh, so I, I w always wanted to get back to the kitchen. Yeah. And uh, this is what I can do. This mm -hmm. is what I enjoy to do it. But uh, I couldn't think that it would be that sudden or that easy. Mm -hmm. You know, people around me make it so easy. I start inviting people to my house, again, to have a feedbacks, but also... Because this is what I know. This is what how I can express my appreciation mm -hmm. to other people. Like, uh, um, for example, when I when I first came in, I end up in High Wycombe, and people there was so welcoming and very nice to us. So I start inviting some of them over for dinner or and talk to them about how I wanted to go back to the restaurant, to the kitchen. And these people starting to invite others to try right. my food, you know? And, yeah, yeah. You know, like I know someone who works in this industry. Maybe he can help, so I will invite him. Every On every step, I had really important people in my life. Mm -hmm. Some of them were still working together until now. Like, you know, we, I always had this kind of support from from the people around me and it was it was super important because maybe I will not need as much support if I'm back in Syria mm -hmm. because I grown up know this market and obviously I'm gonna need more support in here yeah but together we did a great job and we have now a successful restaurant we have a successful business paying taxes, we have a lot of people working with us, and yeah, I love it. Amazing. What was the vision for the restaurant then? Your book, which we'll get to in a minute, is, you know, A Love Letter to Damascus. Is that very much the same? Yes. Was that the vision with the restaurant as well? It is the same vision to the... Actually, the idea was uh, to introduce myself and my culture mm -hmm. from the one global language in the world, which is food. Mm -hmm. This is why I, I I don't have as much 
Syrian customers, if you know what I mean, like all of all of my audience or uh, customers or friends who come to the restaurant all the time are non-Arabic speakers. This is the exactly what I wanted. I wanted to introduce mm-hmm. our food to the world, you know, especially Londoners. The London food now, it's very rich and very, very global. Mm-hmm. I think somehow Imad Syrian Kitchen is the adapt uh, version of Syrian Middle Eastern food to be more Londoner. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is Imad Syrian Kitchen, of course, but it's more Imad's Londoner Kitchen. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I think I think we have this rich cuisine now in in Britain in general, especially in 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 London. We have this rich cuisine. It's specially made for our community which is from every background. We have, I think we have Londoner Indian cuisine and Londoner Chinese cuisine. Definitely our own twists on everything. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) you know that I'm using the same tahini I used to have, same brand I used to get in, in Syria. What I'm trying to say here, this is, yeah, it's a great city. So if people haven't been yet to your restaurant, um, what... They sort should. Of, what, yeah, I was going to say, they should. But also, what what, are your, what would you say are your sort of signature dishes or the ones that you're really going to entice people to come and try? Actually, I would say, usually, I don't know why, people keep asking for hummus and falafel. Yeah. Maybe because it's easier, you know, like this... It's familiar. It's familiar. Don't. Go <laughs> with the with the new dishes. Mm-hmm. That's something you didn't try before. Yes. I promise you, you're going to have a different flavors. You're going to love the flavors. You're going to love the idea about mm-hmm. the dish. For example, now we have few signature dishes. It's it's my dishes. It's not very traditional. Yeah. Uh, for example, if you like if you like aubergines, go with go with saruja. It's it's very nice. I promise you, you <laughs> ha- you're going to find. Uh, a, a weird combination between cheese and aubergines and the molasses like pomegranate or date molasses. If you like um, um, summary dishes, go with, with the za'atar salad. It's very nice combination between za'atar and her- other herbs and uh, watermelon. It's nice. I was going to say, is that the one with like sort of halloumi exactly. ribbons yeah, yeah, in as yeah, well? Yeah. yeah, that was delicious. We call it halloumi noodles, actually. And noodles, it's, nice, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's shilal. It's very traditional Syrian kind of halloumi cheese. Mm. A very, uh, yeah, very sour. Oh, it's delicious. We're going to have breakfast soon. Come oh, and nice. try our breakfast. It's, yeah. Uh, this is why I found like, Yes, it is the best falafel, if you want to ask I was going to say, yeah. I, I'm just yeah. going to say to <laughs> listeners that the falafel are bloody great. Yeah. They're sort of, um, if you haven't had them before, they're more, they've got holes in the middle and they're yeah. slight, they've got sesame seeds on the outside and they're slightly crunchier perhaps yeah. than other actually, ones. Actually, it's, uh, it's the original recipe. It's delicious. Yeah. It's five simple ingredients. Yeah. Um, and it's in the cookbook as it's well. It's in the cookbook. I like the original recipes to to, to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. For example, I don't know where people get the idea to add um, fresh herbs to, to falafels. It's... it's you, actually, the supermarket one has often got herbs yeah, in, exactly. haven't they? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not nice because, obviously, 
the herbs will contain a lot of water. Mm-hmm. It's gonna and the temperature between the frying oil and the herbs would be so different. You're gonna have the the falafel will soak the frying oil inside yeah. it. You know what? Yeah. And this is why if you press on it, it's gonna be oily. Oh, interesting. Because you do see that in other places. Exactly. Yeah, so please don't. It's not good for your health. It's oily. It's yeah. it's not healthy. I said I just have to give a shout out as well to one of the puddings I had, which was the Syrian ice cream oh, yes. with that amazing it was like candy um, floss. Candy floss, yeah, yeah but an amazing Syrian texture. <laughs> yeah. It's delicious. It, it's uh, it's mainly sugar, but it's um, it's not that much. Like when you compare it with the ice cream, mm-hmm. the ice cream is handmade. It's only uh, also few ingredients. It's it's all in the book. You can you can find many different puddings. We have special pudding puddings for the breakfast actually. Oh nice! And this is something will be in our breakfast soon. It's 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 very simple. It's basically tahini with. Date I was going to say that's one of the things I've made from the cookbook. It's so delicious. It's nice, it's isn't it? Yeah, really good, yeah. like an epic peanut butter. Exactly. Sort of. it's yeah, yeah. So good. So <laughs> these small things, I think, I think if I'm proud about something in the Syrian cuisine, that it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Actually, after a while, you can create your own dishes. Mm. I promise you. Like if if you if you use to these uh, spices yeah. enough and you cook with them. You can create your own, like, rice or your own bulgawit or dip. It's like your mother said to you. Exactly. Yeah, master exactly, the classics exactly, and then you can create. Exactly. Bring it back to the beginning when we were talking about meals around the table and cooking for family. How long after you left Syria did your family manage to come and join you here in the UK? It was uh, one day to be one year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we've been apart. For 364 days. My oldest daughter asked me to promise her that we're not going to be apart more than a year. I told her that I'm going to do my best. And she said, no, promise. I said, yes, I promise. And I didn't know. I was so happy and so lucky to keep that promise. One of the most difficult years in my life. It's not only because I left my family behind. It's also because I left my family behind in a war zone. Yeah, you know? it clearly wasn't a decision yeah, taken lightly. Yeah. Leaving my family behind was one of the most difficult decisions I ever made. Even though if I stayed there, I'm risking my life. Mm-hmm. I had to think about that decision. Can you imagine how difficult that, that decision is? Like to leave your country. I, I knew that I'm, I'm risking my life to stay in there. But even though I thought about what? If, let me try to stay. I don't want to live in here. Mm. Before the war, I had everything I need. Even if it's not the easiest, live in the, in, in, in somehow. But for me, I found a way to make it suitable for me. I had a comfortable life. It was one whole year apart from my family. Uh, but yeah, it's the most difficult one. And are they happy here? Oh, they? my God, yes. I've met your daughter, actually. She was at yeah. the event. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> actually, um, I'm, I'm so happy for them that uh, they have a town now which they love so much, and they call it home. Mm. Oh, my God. You cannot imagine how 
important these things we take it for granted it's really important to feel home it's very important to feel belong to a group of people i'm I, i'm so happy for them yeah i love them so much amazing thank, thank you, you so much i think that's a, a really thank lovely so place to end um for everyone listening uh you can visit a mad syrian kitchen at kingly court in soho and i recommend you do it's absolutely excellent i'm definitely going to be booking in for breakfast that's please come excellent and you can also order his book which is the same name which is out now at any good bookshop and yeah thank you again Ahmad, for coming thank in you so much. Thank uh, thanks you. so much for listening um if you've got any questions please do email us at podcast at Sherlux. we love hearing from you and we'll see you again next time thanks so much goodbye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 